Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, my friends, I want to let you all know that my very first book, The Path of an Eagle, How to Overcome and Lead, after being knocked down, is now available for pre-order. I'll make sure the link is available in the show notes below. All right, my friends, let's do the show. There is a story for everyone here because every story matters. Welcome, everyone, to the Storybooks. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the story box together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. Today, my friends, I have quite literally one of the most interesting people you'll ever hear, probably, on the story box. His name is Jim Kitchen. He's not just a university business professor, entrepreneur, but he's the one of the very few people on earth who has been to every single country in the world, that is 193 of them, and He's the first and only person in history who has been to every single country and to space, which has been a lifelong dream that he has finally realized for himself. He's finally made it happen. Jim has dedicated his life to further enhancing the business of travel with many groundbreaking and disruptive business ventures over his illustrious career spanning over three decades. His life mission is to inspire fledging entrepreneurs to realize their dreams no matter how crazy they may be. And trust me, the stories that you will hear from Jim, some of them are crazy and wild, but as a business professor, being a teacher as well, I think it's ad- admirable what he's doing and, and what he has done to help so many young people realize their own dreams, even though some of them may be outrageous and crazy to the world's perspective, that is. For the past decade, Jim has taken his business expertise to the U- University of North Carolina, um, Keenan Flager Business School, where Jim teaches students to create world-changing for-profit and non-for-profit ventures. Jim's wanderlust and passion for seeing a world without borders is contagious and beyond inspiring, and you'll definitely get that during our conversation today, especially during this geopolitical fraught time. He comes with many awe-inspiring stories, you'll get some of those today, and takeaways from his world travels and is an important reminder on the importance of dreaming and maintaining a sense of natural curiosity for the world and beyond. The best part, this is only just the beginning for Jim. And the man is unstoppable, really, that's 
you'll get a sense of that during our conversation, which I honestly love. There's so much in this one. I think you guys are really, really going to enjoy it. So I won't belay too much on the point. If you do get something from it, share it around to your friends and family. Jim is the only one that has been to every single country on earth and that wasn't enough for him. He decided to go to space as well just to see all the countries from space, which I think is quite awesome at the same time and just the fact that he's been to space. I mean, how many people have I had on the show that has said that they've been to space? None. Jimmy's the first, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Um, so my friends, would be grateful if you could leave a rating and review over another podcast too. Don't forget that my very first book, The Path of an Eagle, is now available for pre-order. Links for that will be in the show notes below for America and Australia and abroad. Wherever you are, you can get a copy of it and I hope that you do. All right, my friends, you know what time it is. It is time to journey with me into the story box as we listen to the incredible stories, the wisdom and the advice of none other, the man who's been to every single country on earth and to space, Jim Kitchen. Hey, man, been all over the world, been to space, but I'm now on your podcast, man. How cool is that? It's very exciting for me, man. Like You can add that to your ever-growing list of achievements. That, that, that's... <laughs> Uh, I'll add it to my my list of achievements, having someone like yourself on my show. I uh, appreciate you for, for coming on, on the show, my friend. Uh, the very first question that I do have for you before we dive into your, I have no doubt, wild and, and crazy adventure stories is what does success look like for you? That's such a great question. You know, if you had asked me that question 30 years ago, maybe 40 years ago, I would have said it's material success, uh, being well-known, um, you know, having lots of checks by my name, like, Hey, did this accomplish that. Um, but my, my version of success now is, um, having people that I love deeply, um, being loved deeply by people, and uh, finding and doing things that I really enjoy because I enjoy doing them. Not because other people think that I, I should do those things, but because I genuinely enjoy doing it. Like you introduced me as a college professor. I teach because I enjoy doing that. And you know, lastly, I'd, I'd say success. One of the big parts of my success is in this, uh, you know, 50 plus years of, of living, I've kind of learned how to accept my faults and, you know, foibles and all of my idiosyncrasies and I've found room to love myself. So loving others, loving, being loved by others, finding meaningful stuff to do, fill my life with, and then being able to, you know, accept my imperfectness is uh, a huge success for me. So anything here kind of after, after those things is just, is just extra. It's all noise. Cause those are, those are my four sort of secrets to life and secrets to success. Why do you love being a teacher and what does make a great teacher in your opinion? Man, my, my mom and dad were public school teachers. So y'all you're, you're looking at a, a kid that was born, uh, you know, middle class. I had a paper route. I uh, collected bottles at construction sites. We, we used to have these things called recyclable bottles. You go onto a construction site, 
blokes would be, you know, chipping away, building, building uh, houses and they'd drink a Coca-Cola and they'd throw it away. And I'd go into that construction site and, and grab those bottles and take them to the closest convenience store and cash them in for, for, uh, for money that my parents were public school teachers. They kind of, they were gritty. Right. And they, they wagged their finger at me and they said, Nope, you, you, you should not be a teacher. There's too much, that's too much work. And so we had five kids. Um, mom and dad taught hundreds of kids every day. And they're like, that's not for you. But what I found about, you know, what I admired about both of them, mom was everyone's favorite fourth grade teacher. My dad was an earth science teacher, not necessarily everyone's favorite teacher, but still pretty cool nonetheless. But I loved going into their classrooms because they were so admired by their, their students because they were good, passionate teachers they they taught these subjects that you know really changed people's lives and so countless number like hundreds if not more people would come up to me as i was growing up and say i loved your parents i loved your mom especially she was she had the most influence on in my life as a you know as a fourth grade teacher and i was like hmm you know i bet i i, I kind of that was on the that was on the back burner Wow, that's that's really cool. How much influence she had on people's lives because of the way she taught. Uh, and then watching my teachers all throughout, and then going to college, and uh, I got a couple master's degrees, and watched my watch my professors, and the best would engage, um, would get to know their students, and and so I teach entrepreneurship, and I'm one of those teaching professors where, yeah, I've studied entrepreneurship. I know little bit about entre entrepreneurship. I can teach that subject, but I fancy myself a, a pretty decent teacher because I engage with my students and do it in a way that's, I teach them life lessons under the guise of, of entrepreneurship. I have a high respect for teachers because teachers have played a massive role. I had some amazing teachers growing up and I can also relate to having a paper route. I mean, that was one of my very first jobs too. Any gnarly stories coming from having a paper out? Because I got some. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if the if the paper isn't thrown exactly in the right place, you can get in trouble. If you throw it too far, too short, or you know, you're riding a bike uh, with with a couple hundred papers on the back. What could possibly go wrong with that? You know, it rains. This was in South Florida. I had one paper out where you, where it wasn't enough. The paper was so bad mm. that it wasn't enough. You couldn't just throw the paper. You had to walk off. You had to get off your bike, take it, and then double rubber band it around somebody's front door. I mean, are you kidding me with 150 papers? Uh, mm. And I think I, I think I made like a dollar an hour. So yeah, I want to tell me, tell me one of yours. The amount of work that you put into doing the paper out versus the reward that you got didn't really stack up too much. Did you ever get attacked by birds? Because that was a big thing for me. Always magpies here in Australia, man. They're gnarly yeah. things. Yeah, the dog, not not the birds, but the but the the dogs, right? You know, people's yeah. dogs are, you know, they come charging out of the house and you're like, ah! You know, running back to your bike and having to pedal away really fast. And of course, the wipeout, the in inevitable wipeout. So, yeah, I'm with you. Dangerous job. I think the the one that comes to mind for me was we had this 
pretty like the area that I used to deliver paper papers to, uh, it was very hilly, like steep hills. And one day I just did not want to do it. And it was raining. Like the thing is rain, hail or shine, they've got to be delivered somehow. And I think I got paid anywhere upwards of $80 and I was doing like 350 papers, which is a ludicrous amount. You got to collate them first, then you got to deliver the damn things. So it was raining. We had to deliver it and I'm walking up this hill and I think I slipped and smacked my face against the, 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 the concrete and the birds just started attacking me at the same time. Like it was a double whammy, you know, and I'm just like, why am I doing this job? <laughs> That's Everyone should have mind. A yeah. So kids watching at home, <laughs> Go out and get a paper out. <laughs> it teaches you a lot. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very dangerous job. <laughs> I think we're giving it a, a high praise indeed, Jim. <laughs> yes. But, you'll have stories to tell. Oh, for sure, man. For sure. I mean, I, I did want to ask you as well, like being a being a teacher, like I said, I do have a high respect for teachers because of the massive influence they played in my life. And I'm, I'm curious about being a teacher yourself, what have been some of the crucial lessons that you've learned from some of your students? You know, um, I, what I, what I think separates me as a, as a teacher from, um, just like an ordinary teacher is I try to, if I have a, like one of my classes this semester will be 120 students and the other will be 50. Mm-hmm. And I will meet individually with every one of my students because again, I, I think of my class as like an, it's an, I, I'm teaching entrepreneurship. So I, I think of my class entrepreneurially. So if you're going to get the most out of your employees, you can't be a, you know, a turd of a boss, right? You want to be like a, a good, a good boss. So I kind of structure this thing where I have, I'm the boss, I'm the CEO, and then I have teaching assistants and I'll have five of them to manage my 170 employees, right? Uh, so there'll be like middle management. And then the employees are the, are the students. Um, and so, so I will meet individually with every one of my employees or students for like 15 minutes. And it'll take two weeks of one-on-one meetings, but I'll ask them, Hey Jay, you know, tell me about you. So where did you grow up? Uh, What do you want to do after college? If you know already. And so, Hey, what sort of things do you enjoy? Oh, you play club soccer. Had no idea. Why don't you invite me to club soccer game? So I'll literally have 170 conversations with, with my students, the engagement level of of the classroom post conversation is extraordinary because I know them. I'm seeing Jay walk in. Hey man, have the soccer game go. Oh, hey, that was great. Hey, you need to come to the next. One. Hey, let, let me know. Um, hey professor, I got this idea about this this crazy business idea. Hey, let's talk about it for five minutes after class. So we've got that going. So when you ask me, hey, what are some of the things that I, just the collective stories, 170 stories of being able to connect with these extraordinary young men and women is, is insane. It is such a, a, a blessing and a beautiful blessing. And I got to tell you, this generation, this, this Gen Z, you know, post millennial Gen Z is 
is off the chain, off the hook, smart and industrious because they grew up with these things, right? The tech ideas just roll off, you know, off the hip, right? You know, off the tongue, one after another, after another. And, and they're not like, they're not like incremental ideas. It's crazy stuff. This is a highly creative, your generation is so highly creative and highly conversant, tech conversant, because it's all you've known. Um, so it's, it's the, the, the connections are so meaningful uh, and they're extraordinary business, business people. Um, I will say there's some downsides to that as well, because they, they, they're smart, they know it, but they also want to be quickly rewarded. And, and, you know, my generation is like, Hey, you got to work your way up. It's like, Nope, I want to be the boss. You know, I want my own podcast. Right. Like, you know, like, Hey, because you can make it happen. Right. Um, so just amazing. I, I learn something every day. Um, I'll, I'll share one last story. Is the students that are, um, that come from very modest means are, are the, the things that they have to do to pay the tuition to you know, take 18 hours to try to graduate in in three years. Um, those go-getters that that had multiple internships while working jobs, you know, paid, paid jobs that are juggling hours, that are really nice people, that have friends that have been able to wear all of those different hats and and, and can do it with a smile on their face. I mean, that, that still teaches me lessons. So a lot of a lot of things to that I learned from my students. Have you kept record of how many students you've taught over the years? It's thousands. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 thousands. So I don't know. This is my fourteenth year times one hundred and you know fifty students. So I don't know. It's not that many, but it's a lot. Goodness me! Is there one particular student that stands out to you that maybe wasn't doing so well in the class to start out with, and then sort of surprised you? Um. I'm racking you know, your brain today, Jim. <laughs> yeah, no, there's that's a good good question. I, I would say the um let me answer that question in a, in a different way. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you, I will tell you a funny story. You know, teaching entrepreneurship, it's it, you, I've been I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. And so people look to me as, and I'm the guy, and you don't know this, but I'm the guy in Chapel Hill where if a student or a young person or a young adult or an old adult has an idea in, in, in North Carolina and Chapel Hill in this region, the research triangle park region, they'll say, you know, there's this guy over in Chapel Hill, his name is Jim kitchen. You should shoot him an email. So they'll go onto my website and be like, Oh, I found his email address and you should maybe run your idea by him and see if he thinks it's any good. So I've listened to tens of thousands of ideas and I'm like, Oh, so now I kind of have to say, well, if your if your idea is not good, I'm just going to tell you. Um, and so I'm I'm opinionated after listening to ten thousand ideas, right? And um, so one of my students is like, "Hey," and, and sometimes you just you miss them, right? The stories of my Stanford business professor thought my thought uh, body uh, you know body armor was a terrible idea, <laughs> and I, you know. I, and I went on and, you know, it was a 
$100 billion business, right? You hear those stories all the time. Well, this guy came to me and said, hey, I got this idea about a, an automatic toothbrusher. I'm like, what? And so he, he's like, yeah, you put it in your mouth and it brushes your teeth for like 10 seconds. And then it's, it's like brushing for two minutes. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, I just, I just don't know. I was like, it doesn't strike me as a great idea because I don't know if I want something in there just like grinding away in my teeth, right? I think it's supposed to be like a soft brush. So how can you do all that? So turns out like a year later, he sends me this very snarky email. I was like, oh my gosh, you were so wrong. They just did a million dollar uh, Kickstarter campaign on this thing called uh, I'm a brush or something. And, and they true to form, they literally were selling these things on Kickstarter for $275. So what did I do? I was like, I'm wrong. I bought one. And it turns out like a year and a half, even after giving this company my $250 or $275 or whatever it was, they, they kept everyone's money. They never shipped a product. So I was right. You know, <laughs> it was a terrible idea. It didn't work. It wasn't practical. No one was going to approve it. The FDA wasn't going to, you know, approve that of sticking this thing in your mouth and it brushing your teeth for you. Um, but the thing is, you know, the moral of that story is, I don't know. I don't know any better than, you know, if an idea is really good, or it's going to have legs. I might have like that much more than the average person, but um, I've had some students that, you know, standout star students that are just genetically, it's, it's, you can see it, you can sense it, it, it ooze um, entrepreneurs, like just born natural entrepreneurs. And I would say that's a myth. There's no way, like, no, entrepreneurs are not born. But I'm telling you, after 14 years of doing this, there are some standouts. You asked me about standout. There are some standouts. A few come to mind. Um, Andrew Royce is one of my students. He started about four or five years ago. He started this company called Voice, which um, is scaling so rapidly. It's a translation software. You literally press a button and a translator um, at a hospital. Um, you, you press a button on like an iPad and a, and a, a translator uh for one of 300 languages comes up and literally within seconds. And so it's, it's providing really fast translation services to people in, in, in need of, of medical assistance or, or et cetera. Um, Mary Lacey Motley, who's a recent student a couple, couple of years ago, has this amazing uh, food service business. Um, two very, you know, quick outliers just of, of the, thousands of students. And there's, these are both businesses that are just scaling astronomically. I, I probably have a dozen students that are out, you know, really uh, working away on, on businesses now. Um, it's entrepreneurship's not for everyone, but um, yeah, some amazing standouts. I like the toothbrush story because it kind of like makes me think how in the world can you really improve a toothbrush? I mean, we've got an electric toothbrush. We've got those normal toothbrushes. I mean, we've got the Oral-B ones here in Australia and they seem to work pretty well. They they do the job. My teeth are clean, <laughs> I hope. <laughs> but like, it just makes me wonder, I mean, like in trying to improve a product that is kind of in a way I, I, already being in, in many senses perfected, <laughs> um, yeah, it just makes me wonder. But I'm trying to like, hard. 
self gratification for you, Jim. <laughs> like I was right, <laughs> that sort of thing. I didn't um, think I was, but then I ended up being right. But I, yeah, I mean, all good stories, my friend. Thank you so much for sharing them. And I want to get into your adventure side of life right now because you have an incredible. I'm sure so many interesting stories regarding the ability to travel, go overseas. You've been to every single country in on earth <laughs> and then you decided to go to space too. Um, can you share with my audience why in the world you decided to travel so much? And the second question to that is, have you found that traveling all over the place and even to space has helped you with your teaching? So when I was a kid, uh, I told you mom and dad were, were school teachers. So every June, July, and August, um, well, first of all, they said that the three best things about teaching were June, July, and August, right? They didn't have to work for those, those months. So, um, so we had, have you ever seen a station wagon? I have, yes. Yeah. We used to right, have you know one. A, you know, you know what a wood paneled station wagon looks like? You ever seen like the Griswolds, like, yep. uh, you know, family vacation. We yep. literally were the Griswolds. Okay. We had a wood paneled station wagon and great. it was a Pontiac. It was a, it was a beaut. Yeah. And every June, every June, the, uh, the, my parents would put the kids in the back of the, of the station wagon. My sisters got the middle, like the middle, the, the middle section. I got what was called the way back. And that wasn't, it wasn't really a, there were, there was like temporary seating back there, but that's where the luggage went underneath. And I had the, the hard seat. And then we had the rear facing like wind windshield. And uh, so off we'd go from South Florida to Washington state. So for those of you keeping track of like geography in the United States, that's about as far as one can drive. Okay. And still be in the continental United States. So there's 48 States here, South to way West. Okay. That would be the equivalent of what in Australia, like, I don't know, the, the, the far West to the far, you know, Right, be like going from like Sydney all the way to Western Australia, I think. Yeah, which would be take days, right? So for us, it was a summer, okay, and and so I have the dubious distinction of seeing the continental United States facing backwards in a in a car, right? So I've seen all forty eight states. Oh, look, you know, uh, there's Alabama. Oh, look, there's Mississippi. Right. So I've seen it all all backwards on the way out and then back from from Washington. And now we were just racing along, seeing seeing the country. And so for me, just growing up, travel was in my DNA. It was what I knew is what we did when when kids in my street were playing, you know, baseball uh, during the summer football in Florida. I was, I was traveling. I was gone. We were seeing the, seeing the country. And, uh, you know, so when I went to college, uh, Oh, actually one of those, one of those trips along the way, uh, my parents were space buffs. And one of those trips along the way at the very, at the beginning, um, was we went up to Cape Canaveral, which is Cape Kennedy now 
just a few hours north of where I grew up, and we saw a space launch. And I remember, you know, that was one of those first things that I saw when I was like, I think it's five or six years old. And I saw the, the Apollo launch take off. And I was like, wow, that, that's pretty cool. I want to I want to be one of those people that ride this spacecraft. So we'll talk about that in, in a few minutes. But, you know, travel was was what I what I knew. I went to college and I was headed for the CIA. I got to tell you, I was I, I wanted to be a James Bond. You know, I, I this was during the Cold War. I wanted to you know serve my country as like espionage, you know, Bond. Right. And I, you know. I took an entrepreneurship class my my the end of my sophomore year and it changed my life. Mm. It's actually the class that I teach now. Um, I took that that class and one of the things that we had to do was come up with ideas to um, for for business ideas. And I started. Uh, that's where the the origins of my travel business started. Um, I was not smart enough to be, to be an astronaut, you know, to be an astronaut. So, uh, you know, kind of end of that space story. So I thought, um, and so I became an entrepreneur instead of a, instead of a spy, like a, a CIA operative. And I scaled a, a travel business and I began traveling the world. I, um, owning this, this travel business gave me the flexibility, oddly, the same flexibility that I had as a child. Uh, we were a seasonal tour operation business and I had June, July, and August, uh, and then some to travel the world. And so just like my parents had done, I would take my friends and my family and we would go and travel the world. And so I got to, I don't know, 50 or 75 countries, something like that. Just stamping passports. I got my passports here. These are like 10 of my passports. Huh. And I have so many stamps and these things from places that I've been. And it was cool. It was kind of like Instagram today. Like, Hey, it's me in Morocco. You know, like I wasn't really connecting. I was collecting these stupid passport stamps because it was kind of cool. But I, and then, and then I had this, I had this awakening. I was in Mozambique and I met this woman named Margarita and she was, she was making these, these doughy, you know, dough-like balls that that young people would eat because people basically fill their belly for the day, and she was this no like this very nondescript person that you would never notice in a market, just selling these dough balls to these kids, long line. And I sat there and I watched her. This is a country where half more than half the population lives survives on less than a dollar a day and i sat there and i watched margarita making these these dough balls and i asked my guide if i could help her and i did i was helping her like work through this line and these deep fried like deep fried bread basically was it and it was cheap and this is a country where lunch and dinner are not guaranteed so it could be the only things that people were were eating and that wrecked me. It's like hearing that story made me want more. So I kind of transitioned from the stamp collector, you know, to a, a connector. Like I wanted more of what margarita, like I wanted, I wanted more of that. And so that transformed the way I traveled. And you decided to go to space on top of that. 
why yeah. and how in the world does someone go about doing that? <laughs> yeah. Um, so the end of the end of that travel story is I, you know, I, I, I ended up going to the rest of seeing the rest of the world. Um, I, it, it changed me as a person because from then I, I wanted to, um, there's so many lessons like Margarita from Margarita of, you know, things like, well, that she is so important and it's not, it has nothing to do with her, how much money she makes. You know, she's a hero yeah. to those people. And I started looking at myself differently that, you know, all of those things that I, that I told you that I described as success was how I began to see my, you know, those are the things I learned from travel and those are the things I began to teach in my class. So to answer your, your question. And so, yeah, post, um, post travel, you know, I, I, uh, in 2019, I actually traveled to my 193rd country. So that was, that was my last country in Syria. And that's a whole nother, we could do a podcast on that because Syria was not only coming out of revolution, but Lebanon was in full revolution. And I show up, this is my last country. This is my 193rd, that's my 193 flag. I've been to 192 countries. I'm ready to see Syria. And Lebanon is in full out, like fires in the street, the airports in distress, you know, duress, distress, all of that. And it's like, oh no, I may never make it, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, so got to, got to Syria. And then I started thinking, you know, space has been a, a dream for so long. Um, Virgin Galactic was doing that, those flights to space. Yeah. Um, but gosh, it seemed like such a long way out. Um, like it could be 10 years before that happens. Um, SpaceX, get this to go to the space station. You know what that ticket is? No idea. $55 million. Ah, you know, I didn't have an extra 55 laying around. Hey, and by the way, <laughs> this is all my stuff from those 193 countries, you know, like, you know, you, you pick up a, uh, a cool necklace in Papua New Guinea or something, you know, like, so this is stuff that I, you know, all this wall in case people are wondering what's that clutter. Um, but yeah, space was, um, I took a big, I took a risk. I, uh, I found Blue Origin. I, I, I saw them doing stuff. Um, they were doing these unmanned launches. And I just started contacting them. I was like, I don't know when you're going to go, but when you go, I want to go. Mm -hmm. Because going back to that little kid who saw that Apollo launch, I, you know, I wanted to be an astronaut, right? They were my heroes. They were the heroes of my generation. And I, I wanted to be one of those guys. And so I never gave up hope of being able to do that one day. So that was, you know, 50 years ago. And so I kept on them. And I would tell you the lesson here uh, to anyone who's, who's listening is, you know, it's okay not to give up. You should not give up on a dream because, you know, some, someday that, that window, it may not be, your dream may not come true today, tomorrow. You know, it may not be, uh, for some reason, you may have to wait. Yeah. And we're not really good. We're this generation. We're not, no one really wants to wait, right? We want instant gratification. Give me now. Right. But so 50 years, it, uh, that, that opportunity came available this year. And, um, 
I got a call from Blue Origin. They said, hey, if you want to be on the next launch, you can. And I was like, I, yes, I, yes, I will. Uh, and so I went up in March of, uh, of, of this year. You've been to space, you know, you made it happen March of this year, which is really, really exciting. What does one have to do in terms of training in order to get there? Is there any training involved? I would recommend, I would recommend some training because it's a lot more physically intense than I thought it would be. So I had done, um, different to flying, right? (laughs) Yeah. I'm telling you, I I did, I did some centrifugal force training at, at, in, um, in Pennsylvania thinking that I was, I was fine because I had done 6.2 G's like across your body. That's called, this is called the X axis. And then I'd done 1.9 G's on the Z axis up and down. And I was like, this is going to be three G's. I'm fine. I'm good. Let me tell you, when that rocket takes off, you're like in, so I'm going to simulate it here. You're in like, you're in an electric car and you're going from zero to a hundred and you're like, Whoa, that was fast. Right. Well, this thing goes from zero to 2,300 miles an hour. And it goes like that. I mean, it's fast. It's like, Zero to 100, 100 to, you're sitting there watching it and you're like, wow, 100, 200, 300, 400, like every second is 100. And, and, and then you get to like 12, 1300 and you literally, like I remember the guy, we, we went with the engineer, the, the, literally the engineer, the designer of the rocket. He was like, we got to 12 or 1300 miles an hour. He's like, you can feel the G's. And I'm like, yes, you can feel the G's. And, and I reach up and I touch my, like, I touch my face. I do that because I, I'm thinking, kitchen, don't pass out. Don't be that guy. You are not going to be the guy that's been to, you know, to travel the world and then get to space. And then they got to like resuscitate you. Like, hang on, man. Come on. You got this. So, Yes, you should. You should, if if possible, you should do some centrifugal force training because it really does help. Um, I also did zero gravity flights, which were very helpful because you know once you know how to play in space and do somersaults and you know Superman pose and all that stuff, eh, you kind of done it, right? You don't have to waste your time in space to like, oh look, I'm I'm I can float, right? So you can look out the window and, and enjoy your time looking out the window instead of doing somersaults. Um, and uh, you know, the last thing I'd recommend is just stay in shape. Like if you're planning to go to space, get in shape, like run some, get your cardiovascular system going. Cause I got to show you, hang on. This is my, I wore a ring like this. It, it's a, uh, it was called a circle plus C U R C. C-I-R-C-U-L plus, and this, and it, it literally, this is my heart rate, uh, kind of down. I'm like my resting pulse is 50 and it was like 50, you know, maybe 50 and that launch, <laughs> was like, that was like 180. <laughs> I'm not kidding. So you should be in shape. You know, you should get in shape if you, if you want to do that. All these things aren't mandatory if you go with Blue Origin or Virgin Galactic, but recommended. So if you're hoping to go to space, maybe uh, maybe run a mile or two, get in a few days a week and get in, get in, get in shape. 
I think I need to work my way up because I still need to go on a plane. Like the la- my parents say I've been on a plane, but I was a baby, so I was too young to remember it. So I just say I've never been on a plane before because it doesn't really count. <laughs> um, technically speaking, I'm getting away on a technicality here. If you can't remember, it doesn't really count. So I have, haven't been on a plane as, as a teenager or even at the age that I'm at now. So I'm scared to go on. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Uh, but, I, but you're coming, you're coming out to the States though, right? Yes. Yeah, so funny thing. People have sort of said to me, like, I should practice uh, small trips, like go from, I live in Queensland now, so go from Queensland to Sydney, just take a small, to get used to the the takeoff and the landing, that sort of thing, before I do this massive long trip to, to the States. But knowing me, I'll probably just dive straight into the deep end and just go all the way to the States, forget the small trips. <laughs> we'll just go yeah. all the way, man. <laughs> You should, you should totally do that. You should not mess with those little trips because you're going to probably fly like a 747 or, you know, some long haul carrier. And those things are so smooth. You know, the smaller regional jets, like going from Sydney to, to Melbourne or something, you know, a few hours there. Yeah. You're going to bounce, you're going to bounce and then it's going to scare you. You get on one of those 747s and within like, you know, a minute you're above the clouds and then you're like, wow, what's the big deal here? This is, this is nothing. I got this. So yeah, I would, I would say the opposite. I kind of would feel safer in a much bigger plane than a small rickety one. <laughs> hey, let me tell you, let me tell you, in case you or anybody else listening is, is afraid of flying. Hey, I'm kind of afraid of flying too. Why? Because I got a lot to live for. You know, I got, I got, I got a daughter that I want to walk down the aisle. So, you know, that's like the biggest thing I have, I have, and then I got a lot of other stuff to do and see. And, and uh, you know, so I value my life like everyone does, right? And I kind of think of even when it gets like bouncy, right? The planes basically fly themselves right now. And the odds of being on a plane crash or, you know, something bad happening on a plane are literally like one in 10 million right now. Okay. So what makes you so, you know, if you feel like, hey, I'm going to be the one, you should go out and play the lottery. You know, (laughs) your chances are better. I might win. (laughs) Yeah, you might. You might actually have a better chance of winning the lottery than that plane. Than you know, that something happening with that plane. So if you feel like, oh, I'm special, uh, it's going to be my plane. Strongly recommend putting a hundred bucks down on the lottery. (laughs) I might do that before I go. And then while I'm in, while I'm in the air, if I do end up winning, I'm like, hey. (laughs) Hey, remember, remember, remember Jim, the teacher in North Carolina, you know, when that payday comes. Okay. I remember this conversation. I might slip you a few bucks if I do win. How about that? (laughs) But I think it's like they're they're talking about how you're more at risk of having a car accident than you are having an accident flying, something like that. But no, 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 that's not, that's not even close. That's not even close. You're like a million times more likely to, to get a car wreck. It's, the odds of you getting in any sort of, you know, issue on a plane. Now, I have been on a zillion flights, okay? Um, and I've been in some situa- you know, some situations, but no, the odds are literally better that you would get struck by lightning than, than be on a plane, you know, on a plane. So, yeah, don't, 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 even when it's bad, the plane's flying itself. So just, you're good. 
I trust you, Jim, because, I mean, anyone that has done a gazillion flights and you've been to space, I mean, why wouldn't I want to trust you? I mean, far That's out. Right. I'd be stupid right. not to. But, um, Jim, I've got a couple more quick questions for you because I know that it's getting late where you are currently. Um, what did you love the most about yourself and your story? You know, I, I think the thing that I love about myself and my story is that I am authentic. Um, who you see right now is, is not like, this is who I am. Um, it's, um, it has been a, um, it has been a, a journey. My, my life has not been easy. Um, but it has been a, a beautiful life. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate in that I had two parents mindful that not everyone watching this or listening to this has been that fortunate. I had two parents that valued education. Um, they were divorced. Um, they got divorced. Um, I had wonderful brothers and sisters and they were all, um, deeply, you know, flawed like I am, but we were, a, you know, a family. Um, my older brother and sister were, were older, you know, older than me. Um, they came from a different marriage. Um, and my, you know, my brother died under a bridge because he just could never put his life together, even though we tried to help. Um, and, you know, there's been, like, like I said, there's been some messy, you know, messy details. So you can't look at me and go, old white male. <laughs> yeah, of course, you know, went to space. You know, I've got my, I've got my battle wounds, y'all. I got my battle wounds. Um, my life is, ha has not been easy. And I know that there's a lot of people listening to this and they can relate to that. Um, but uh, I think through travel, being fortunate enough to travel, living a life as an entrepreneur, which gave me the flexibility to do that. Um, and being able to put those pieces of the puzzle together and, and, you know, enabling me to, to be able to do that. Um, and my journey around the world, frankly, was not to see the world. It was just to kind of like, I was lost. Like, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I, I didn't know why I was traveling. I just was for something to do. And then I, I kind of, then I kind of found it. I kind of stumbled upon it. Um, and that's where that answer, I loved your first question because that, that is, that's my wheelhouse. That's who I am. This is, you know, so the thing I'm most proud about myself about is, is this is, this is who I am, whether we're on camera or not. Um, this is who my children see. This is who my friends see. This is who my students see. And um, I think there's no other better word that I could describe myself than, than, 
than authentic. I love the word authentic because I can relate to it enormously and I can understand the battle wounds because yes, I'm only 25. So I'm like still really, really young, but I've been through some battle wounds too. Sure. I haven't been to every single country on the planet, but that shouldn't matter. I mean, everyone's got those battle wounds, but I, I appreciate you sharing Jim, some of them. Hey, can I say something? Can I I jump in? Traveling the world and going to space is cool. It it is. It's cool. But life, you know, those are like decorations. Those are decorations to those first four things that I that I mentioned. Loving people, being loved by people, finding stuff that you like to do and, you know, loving yourself. All the other stuff is BS. It's, it's all like going to every country. It's super cool. It is cool. You'll learn a lot from it. I learned, and I would not have been able to get here and share this with you had I not done that. So I'm not discounting that, but rich, famous, you know, movie star, successful. Yeah. All that stuff. It's all BS. Like those are the four things that matter in this one person's opinion. And I totally agree with you, man. Like if it's one thing that I've learned doing this and meeting so many incredible people, it's that we are all, all human. doesn't matter what we've done in our life. That is all fantastic. It's great. But what happens when we take that all away? We're still blood, bones. We're still just human beings. And I think once we get to, we strip all the extra stuff away and we get to the real core, that's where we find meaning. That's where we find the purpose. That's where we find true and ultimate fulfillment because that's what's going to help you throughout life. It's what relationships. That's, that's everything. Cause like you don't want to go through life, do everything you've set out to do, but then neglect the things that are really, really important, which are those relationships. And, and so many people have told me that Jim, like unbelievable amounts of people have told me it. So, I mean, I'm grateful for your story, for all the things you have done, but I'm also grateful for you, for you sharing what you've done, what you've been through and who you are today. That for me is meaningful. That's helpful. I've really enjoyed this conversation, Jim. Definitely going to have you back on for more amazing stories. My final question for you. This is my all-time favorite question. I ask all my guests at the end. It is a hypothetical one, but I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100. All your friends and your family have decided to put together, I can imagine that it'd be one hell of a film, but they decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it all. We'll call it magic for the sake of argument, but they've been able to get it and show it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? Um, you know, I think it would be what it wouldn't be any, I, I think I'd beat you to that, that question because um, maybe I knew, maybe I knew you were going to ask that question. <laughs> Legacy, <laughs> my friend. <laughs> now, you know, I, I don't think it could be, man, I, I, that'd be a cool movie. It'd be cool to replay all of those different things, like 
Hey, and by the way, if anyone's, if anyone's um, interested in like that world, world travel, check me out on Instagram at jim.kitchen because I got all these crazy videos of the places I've been and the crazy stuff that I do and the crazy people that I talk to. Uh, it's fun. It's fun stuff. Um, but yeah, to replay that. So what would it say about me? Is that the question? Like what, what, give me yeah, a different, what, what, do, what do you want it to say about you and your life? You know, I, I had my, um, I, I don't, I don't feel a need to have made a difference. Like, Oh, you know, there's a bunch of people at my, at my funeral or, you know, he made like, it'd be so easy for me to go, you know, he made a difference. He changed my life. Um, that would be, that would be cool because, you know, I think, I, I think, um, I'm a spiritual, I'm a spiritual person. So I, 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 I think in those terms of living my life in a very spirit led, um, manner. Um, but I, I'm less concerned about living to a hundred and, and having people go such a great guy. I love that guy. Like, I don't really care. I, I honestly, I'm at the point in my life where I don't really care what people say about me. Um, because I'm so focused on those, on those four things. So I'm going to answer that question with, and I'm going to say it a third time, because I will really want people to learn is that I, I hope they would say he was really good at four things. He was good at being loved by other people. And that means that, Hey, I don't have to be on social media to be like, get people to love me. I don't have to try hard. I can be my authentic self. This is who I am. I'm just, I'm not reading a script. I'm not like practicing, you know, what I'm going to tell you. I'm just, this is who I am and it's flowing freely out of me. And if you don't like it, I, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> right. Um, so I'm not trying hard to get you to love me. And I think that makes me like, it. it I, I, so I can allow, I can allow myself to be loved by, by you. And then I can, you know, we don't, we haven't known each other long, but man, you seem like a great, great guy. And I'd love to hang out with you. And, and when you come here, let's, 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 let's do it. And, you know, um, hang out. I'll show you around North Carolina because right. Like I'm, I'm easy. It's easy for me to love people. So number one, be loved. Number two, love people. And then just do stuff you like to do, right. Don't, don't take a job or don't, don't, do stuff that you just don't, if you want to be a, an artist instead of an engineer, or if you want to be a, you know, go sell fish by the, by the sea rather than investment banking, you know, what direction are you going to go? Are you following the money or are you in the, in the power and prestige, right? Or are you following with your heart, like find stuff that your heart loves to do. And, and then lastly, be more generous to yourself and love yourself. So it would be those four things. That's what I want that movie to reflect is that he was really good at those four things. Jim Kitchen, thank you so much, my friend. You're an awesome guy. Really enjoyed speaking with you. Definitely going to have you back on again. But Let's thank hang you so out. much for joining me today. Can't wait to hang out in person too. Uh, but yeah, once again, thank you so much for joining me on the Storybox podcast. really don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another 
story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guests today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you would like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on all podcast platforms. It is that easy. And if you did get something from today's guest, please do share it around with your friend or family member who you feel could benefit from hearing today's story. And before you go, I greatly appreciate it if you could spend 30 seconds leaving a rating review over on Apple Podcasts. It goes a long way to reaching more people and building this community of the Storybox. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one you heard today. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the Storybox, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you then.